1: Well, no doubt, like me, you're hearing a truckload about this booming thing called digital audio and the tipping point that's coming in the next two to three years when digital audiences will surpass more than 100 years of broadcast radio. In fact, we're about to hear an argument that says digital audio is quickly following the TV industry and its revenue surge from broadcast video on demand, or BVOD in industry parlance. Digital audio, my guests today argue, is at the start of a mighty revenue J-curve. What's a J-curve? We're about to find out. And why? We're about to find that out too. But digital means oceans of new data, and that means more granular audience segmentation, targeting, and behavioral insights, which of course means more interest from the $10 billion digital ad market. So with us, uh, we're going to unpack what early adopter brands and industry sectors are actually doing in digital audio, and where the high demand areas are for audience data, targeting, and tactics. And to talk about that, which is everything from J-curves to tipping points and data hotspots, Brian Gallagher, Chief Sales Officer at SCA, and his colleague, John O'Mandel, SCA's Head of Streaming Sales and Operations. Now, welcome to you both. Um, This is a sort of big, big area, and you guys are a little bit excited, Brian Gallagher, particularly about this J-curve prediction for digital audio to match broadcast TV and BVOD. Uh, It seems like a big call, because television's sort of king of the heap and you're in TV and radio, but what is this J Curve, and and why is it on?
2: Well, it's the age old, Paul. The money follows the audience, and um, the audiences uh, that we're distributing uh, our content through digital means are growing exponentially, and the money's money's following in. I mean, just in in our case, in the last 12 months, the number of advertisers we've got active in our digital platforms has doubled, and so has the revenue, more than doubled in that time frame. So, um, you know, as we have this kind of exponential growth in audience penetration and you know growth, we see that coming through in the revenue.
1: How big is this digital audience we're talking about, Brian? Can you wrap it up? In yeah, a... so
2: we're nudging 5 million on digital platforms right now. That's podcast, streaming, you name it, the whole lot. Yeah, and our partners in SoundCloud who we represent exclusively here in Australia. So we're talking scale? Absolutely scale, yeah. Well,
1: it's exciting for a sales guy mm-hmm. and also exciting, I guess, that there is new audiences that can be tapped very differently to, to a broadcast scenario. I think that's sort of where you're heading with with
2: all this digital audio. Why the bullishness? The revenue is exciting for sure, but I think our utility in the advertising marketplace is actually the thing that excites me the most. And um, John i will talk more about some of the details, but we're actually in a position now where we are able to um, reach audiences targeted or en masse, we're able to dictate what kind of audiences we want to get to, how we want to get to them, we're able to utilise those digital platforms very creatively, both in terms of the, the messaging, adjusting the messaging, but also in terms of attribution style products. Um, we're able to locate consumers in places where we want to locate them because the thing about audio that is not inherent in television or in video is that it's, the use case is mobile. Right And um, I think that's probably the most exciting component of the level of digitization that we're going through. that distribution change is quite profound because you know we're able to have conversations with advertisers that are everything from reach to um, customer acquisition, which I think that's that's pretty exciting and there's not too many platforms doing that well this is
1: this is what the the experts would call full funnel, but before we get to that, Brian, let's just get back to digital audiences, what yours are. So when you, when you talk about, you know, revenue follows the ears and eyeballs, what numbers are we talking about here? Digital audio as a, as a market in entirety, what are we talking? Six, seven million, five million? What are we talking about?
2: For us, we've got about seven and a half million that we would reach in a week overall. That's SCA. SCA with, with our broadcast component, but three and a half million on the digital platforms is a pretty good conversion and it's growing. And obviously there's some crossover there as well, some duplication, but not, that's at, the, that's at the skinny end.
1: So it's driven it's driven by the consumer and, and, and consumption habits, media consumption habits, it's right? It's
2: driven by, uh, you know, being able to access um, vast amounts of content that's of attractive nature to that audience in any way they want uh, to hear it. Mm. And so, you know, it runs the gamut from, you know, being able to access us um, via an app or on online uh, or through a smart speaker at home. And I think we've been leading the audio market in smart, smart speaker skills, um, that's generating an audience at scale. And then of course, most recently we've launched a, a, an app that aggregates all of our services and then adds in a whole bunch of more audio content, which is called listener. That app has all of our live stations on it. It's got all of our podcasting. It's actually replaced the podcast one app and the podcast one Australia brand there's a whole bunch of new music shows, music streaming products that are coming through there. That so, it, it kind of uh, news products, shortcasts.
1: It's got some AI in there to sort of make it personalised for the user. That's that's sort of part of what early this uh, early
2: stage at this point. It's it's more about self selection and 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 making suggestions. But the right. we've made as a company investments in AI, um, which I think you'll see. Uh, in due course, um, really quite lifts the uh, utility of uh, of that in the app environment. Um, I think our ability to take that vast collection of content and 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 readily put the right stuff in front of the right consumer at the right time will improve again exponentially over time. So, with
1: the broadcast audience and the, and your digital audio audience, Brian, are they doing both? Are people doing both, or are they either broadcast? or they're streaming, um, so they're quite distinctive audiences.
2: Well, there's a few different cohorts in there. Um, I mean, our listening of broadcast radio services is steady and in some cases slightly increasing. Um, and then you've got the same person that might listen to FM or DAB in the car might also sample other products that we have um, via the app.
1: Which has got hit and triple M or Correct. bundled in. Correct. And, and
2: eventually right? those things will migrate to be right. one thing. Yeah. And um, so, you know, uh, a consumer might sort of sample our podcasting wares via an app but be a be a radio listener or there might be a combination of, of, of both. Um, there are some and quite a few consumers who use exclusively our digital assets, right? Um, which is
1: super exciting. Well, we're going to get to what some of the sort of the hotspots in, in targeting segmentation and what all this digital audio means for brands, but before we do that, Brian, what does, for instance, the listener app, which is a probably a leading example of what digital audio is going to look like in three to four years' time from most of the audio stroke radio market, right? It's sort of, we're going to head the way that listener's going, I imagine. It seems, um, it seems to be certainly the, the people that know stuff talk that. Um, but what does um, listener let brands do that they can't do in
2: a radio broadcast channel? What's different about that for brands? Genre targeting. So you know you can get a real sort of sense of, of a type of audience because the so show dogs for you, for instance, correct. We right. we we love that sort of thing. the The content is broad and and but the the use cases for for the content break up into kind of moods and what we you know we call them muck on vibes. You know right. that you know consumers have certain sort of audio needs and. There are a vast array of, um, you know, different content sets that sort of satisfy those needs. And, um, you know, the more they get into the app environment, the more content they sample and the more we learn about them. So it's a, it's a very different sort of appraisal of the audience, if you like. Yes. And what's really interesting about that is that we can aggregate quite large audiences in the digital space now because we've hit sort of a scale. So now that we're moving into that listener environment, we've got a signed-in user um, element there, which mm. is giving us very granular data. And I think, you know, with the way that the, um, digital market is changing and, uh, we're moving, you know, obviously towards, you know, cookie-less environment, um, those publishers that have, um, quality first-party data at their uh, disposal. Uh, going to be in a, in a pretty nice place.
1: You're upbeat, Brian, about where the market's going, but is the market buying the optimism and the opportunity around digital? Um, what has been holding the market back, I guess? Because there has been a bit of experimentation, but not, not everyone in, boots and all.
2: The one thing that will hold the, the broader ad market back is scale. You know, you've got to have it. As I say, from everything from reach to sort of certain levels of targetability, we can get there. If Jono wants to deploy... Um, more enhanced ad product, um, whether they be you know um, enhanced creative products like shaker ads or whether he wants... And a shaker ad for the audience who doesn't know? Uh, it's where you'll be listening to the ad and on your handset you can shake it and it will directly go to the website of is of Of, of that the advertiser. Yeah, right. so if there's a call to action to be achieved, that shaker ads are a very efficient way of achieving that. And, and people are using it then. It's just not a gimmick. Absolutely. Right. We would have a number of shaker campaigns running every week.
3: We'd have dozens of campaigns live at any one time using the shake me function. Right. Okay, shaking it right up. <laughs>
2: shaking it right up. That's absolutely right. And I think the other one is, um, is location-based stuff I think is proving pretty popular.
3: I can talk to that if you like. Um, whether it be, say, retail, QSR, there's a lot of requests coming through for proximity and location-based targeting. Um going beyond just say postcode, which can be achieved through, you know, IP addresses, having uh, the location services native to an app um, is something that's in quite high demand, being able to draw a radius around a particular catchment area um, or a particular location itself um, is very popular amongst that category. Um, and then, and, and sorry, Jono, and
1: they, they are then bespoke. It's bespoke creative for the local region that you're, or the geolocation you're going for. They're getting down to that sort of specific creative
3: messaging. Some brands are taking it that one step further and using things like dynamic audio creative right. to then be able to tailor the message itself to the specific location. So uh, you could have a QSR um, restaurant that's advertising across Australia and actually use the dynamic capability to insert the address or or the street of the nearest restaurant or, or retail outlet um, for that brand uh, directly to that listener as they're out and about. And so uh, to Brian's point, if they're listening on a mobile phone, um, you want to be able to achieve more than just targeting, say, the postcode of where they maybe live or where they work, but where they actually are in that moment in time. And with listening sessions, you know, going for, you know, 40 minutes plus at a time, um, then they're quite immersed in that world. It's a very, um, it's a, a far more immersive creative and effective creative to be able to deliver that whilst they're out and about. Those sort of campaigns, were they tricky to try
1: and to get up in the first place or was there buy-in because people, some brands just wanted to experiment and be seen to be right at the front end. But how difficult was getting that sort of stuff going?
3: It's probably a combination of both. There are the clients that are right on board with it because it's something that they've wanted for a while. Um, In particular, you know, retailing QSR is a great example of that. Um, But they're probably a little bit sceptical of the technology at first as Australians typically are. Um, you know, we don't have the population size to be, uh, all that experimental with our marketing budgets, um, as you might have in say Europe or in the U S where you can get quite experimental and still hit scale. Um, so they can be quite skeptical, but, uh, when you work closely with those clients and when you provide that expertise, then, you know, you're building the trust with them and they can see the results at the end of it. So. Uh, The clients that we've worked with have been very happy with that type of uh, messaging and and ad tech delivery. And then as well, being able to provide the attribution on top of that, uh, looking at footfall measurement into those particular locations has been highly successful.
1: We'll get back to some more of the details. You've got a couple of the really interesting case studies, I think, Jono, but it really does, Brian, point to quite a different way in which uh, radio and audio is being used uh, from a broadcast context of advertising to now where you're starting to do shake me uh, locally. It's it's really, really different. And I guess that's where you're getting a lot of interest.
2: Yeah, it is. And I, I think one of the hallmarks of the success or the continued success of broadcast radio has been its ability to be local all the time. We've added on the advertising products that actually deliver at that level as well. And for me, The excitement now is the doubling down on our revenue totals, literally doubled our revenue year on year. We will literally double it again in the coming year. That's exciting. The thing that really uh, floats my boat is that the more people that we convert to listening or that we attract to listening to our products um, through uh, digital platforms, the more competitive we start to become in that digital marketplace. Right. Um, you know, one of the areas, and I, it's interesting to look at what's happening with, say, Facebook at the moment in terms of the total share of advertising that I note that they're getting from the ad market. It's not on that exponential, you know, march that it's been on. And I think that, you know, out of the 4.8 billion that Google's getting and the 1. whatever five billion that yeah. Facebook's getting, um, the smallest component of both of those platforms is coming out of the agency system. Right. major blue chip clients are providing the least amount of that. It's
1: the SMEs, it's the, the small S- and medium sized It's the SMEs, yeah. which
2: ought to be our heartland. Mm.
1: You know, For radio. And,
2: correct. Mm. And, and, and it is to the extent that two-thirds of my client base is actually in that space. But, you know, when you think about the conversion of clients we're getting, because we have to send a rep to the market mm. to talk to the person to sign the check to do the deal, <laughs> there's mm. a lot of steps in that process. But do
1: I hear self-serve coming then?
2: It will come as a component of this, you know, digital expansion. And I think that's one of the most exciting components about this because it means that we'll be able to provide a product to a sort of a a level of advertisers that we haven't been able to get to before. And that's on a metropolitan basis, but it's also on a regional basis. But if you think about a business in Western Sydney who's running, say, plumbing trucks around, you know, Western Sydney, and he's based in, in Penrith or whatever it might be, and he's got six trucks out on the road. And I go to him and I want to sell him a Triple M campaign and he might say, Well, look, I love Triple M, but the thing is I don't want to send my trucks to cronulla and I don't want to send my trucks to Narrabeen because they're going to be on the road for four hours a day mm. instead of in somebody's front yard charging them for, you know, plumbing work. Um but in a self-serve environment, Western Sydney, northern Sydney, southern Sydney, you know You can
1: geolocate or
2: filter, but we can Actually offer an audience at scale to those people so that, you know, if they know that they've got to reach X amount of people to get X amount of customers, we can make that happen.
1: Really good points. And I think, you know, uh, we'll we'll watch that one because, you know, the SMEs generally would be considered, you know, big tech. Duopoly's got them stitched up quite well. Mm. Um, So, making some moves there. We'll watch that one, Brian Gallagher. I'm interested. But – the other things, some of the other things in digital audio in terms of this swing uh, to it, and and what's changing as a result. You, John, talked about the shaker ad and the direct response get a you know get a, an immediate response. I think you talk about Brian um, that digital audio actually allows uh, a much better crack at full funnel at the full funnel for full marketing funnel, right? Top awareness consideration all the way through to purchase.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, and you know. It's, I think it's one of the great handbrakes on, on, on radio per se has been this sort of notion that we sit down at the frequency end, uh, the you know, you know, at the hot weekend sale part of the market, which right. is just it's been very difficult to sort of open up the minds of some uh, advertisers to the fact that audio actually does a superior job of branding. Um, and we've invested heavily in... in um, processes and systems to prove the fact. And we're doing very well in that space as well. But um, audio branding is a a critical component of um, any marketing strategy. I mean, um, audio... intel, right? Correct. You know, to be able to, in every campaign, whether you're doing a price and line campaign or you're trying to establish a brand presence or a position above your competitors, memorability um, is a great thing to get. With audio, so we're up there in that awareness and uh, and consideration space, and I think in a way that we never have been before. And I think actually, what's happening in the digital audio space reinforces what our broadcast audiences are capable of. So I see them as quite compatible. Um, we're not in conflict uh, in in terms of you know whether people should be buying one or the other. There's quite clearly an argument for both.
1: Well, I want to go there, Brian, because, you know, you talk uh, in the audio, digital audio uh, sector is sort of th- this amazing ability to target segment, get down into granular mm. details around the consumer. But then you also argue that, you know, reach is not dead, which is common mass reach and broad broadcast audiences that people often love to say they hate because it's too sweeping. But you're saying COVID actually brought back sort of big audience for each in a big way and we saw it as a result of uh, television was the beneficiary of that.
2: Yeah, actually it's been a fascinating year. The resurgence in television in the course of the last 12 months has been nothing less than stunning. Disappointingly for broadcast radio through the methodology that we used to survey, you know, we had to pull people out of the field so we didn't have survey data. So
1: you couldn't prove that even though perceptions were that, mm. you know, drive time and warning and drive were not collapsing, they're just going to different day parts and different consumption. You couldn't prove that, right?
2: No, we couldn't. We couldn't prove it in 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 terms of the currency, and yet we had millions of daily streams, um, and you could see the pattern in those streams uh, suggested that listeners were doing um, more radio than ever before, and but you know they were. They were still there at 6.30 and 7, but more of them were coming in from 8.30 and 9, you know, work from home mm. um, should have been a massive boon for Metro Radio in particular. Mm. Um, and, and you know, through because survey, um, that, that didn't happen. Which, and, for those um, who don't
1: know, is diary-based. People fill it out on the
2: street, if you like. Yes, so the survey collectors couldn't go out and collect and so um, we had to suspend. Now, we did a pretty good job. Of um, getting to the market as an industry very quickly, um, Nikki Rook, our head of radio sales, and the sales directors from the other radio networks um, did a roadshow together and went to all wow. the agency groups. Solidarity, um, solid, total solidarity, and um, delivered all the stats around the um, the streaming data. And the CRA were very quick to act and um, and put out a supplementary survey in in late June, I think it was, that was talking about um, that we used a, a digital methodology to give some surety. Um, but, you know, when you set yourself up as a currency and then you take the currency away, you're going to get a hit. Anyway, mm. the long, that's, that's a long story. Um, television had daily ratings. Um, their audiences also obviously went up. Um, and a lot of smart marketers capitalised beautifully on that. And um, I think... The early adopters and the ones that really came in hard early achieved some price benefits, and um, they were able to, you know, deliver massive reach levels. and 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 you'll see companies that stayed active right through that period coming into this year with much higher market shares and right. um, and pretty that's, healthy that, balance sheets. That's the argument, sheets. right? That's, that, the argument. that's the
1: argument. And we look to see, we hope to see the data on that as it comes through. Absolutely. That does go get us back to this point, though. This conflict or how do you the the the, the tension between uh, mass reach and, and sort of tightly targeting. You're, you're having the best of both worlds here, Brian. Yeah. I, I don't want Can it. you really?
2: Yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, it's not a conflict, um, when you've just got a massive audience and you're finding intelligent ways to deploy it on behalf of your clients. I mean, the lens we look through everything on is what's good for the client. You know, how do we make it work harder? Um, this is why when Jono says something like, um, you know, with client X, and I think you were talking about, Lux Walls, um, he can do a case study. We measure the impact of the broadcast campaign and the digital audio campaign both separately and together. Right. So he can tell you um, the effect of both components of that campaign strategy and he can tell you that in the absence of one, the other will suffer. In in in, in the deployment of both, everything does well and there's nothing new in that statement to anybody out there listening who is in the marketing and advertising space because it's usually five or six vendors that you're stringing together yes. to get that same effect. Right. So, But I, you're the
1: one-stop shop in this case.
2: In, in, in that case. And, and, and again, you know, um, our, um, the other radio and, and, and audio operators are, are coming into this space apace and I think that the tools are constantly evolving and no one's going to let us have this space on our own, right? Um, so you're going. You would
1: argue you've got market leadership now, but you know you'll have some. You'll have some people coming up from.
2: Oh, for sure, for sure, mm. for sure. I mean, um, there are there are players already well advanced, and and um, you know. Some of them. I mean, you, you've got Spotify, you've got ARN, you've got Nova, you've got.
1: Can I go there for a minute? So let's so, so Spotify, the sort of stuff that you're talking about, you know, earlier with listener with listener app, it essentially sounds like Netflix and Spotify, but you've a commercial radio broadcaster moving to that area with probably a snappier take on how to um, sell advertising around your content.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to reject that comparison completely Good. because Why? Um, we are distributing through digital platforms highly um, focused local content, very Australian content, radio content in a digital format and music (laughs) and podcasts. Right. We will always do the things that the big multinationals will not be able to very easily copy, which is provide Port Macquarie with a local bulletin. That's where I'm from. Well, there you go. Did you know that? I hope you've listened to it. I have. Local news, local events, local things delivered through that same format and then with the music or the programs, the music shows you know, the podcast that you want to listen to, um, you know, in that same environment. Now, you know, we sit very comfortably bes- b- beside Spotify Premium, which I think is where the majority of their listenership comes from. We're also happy to be competitive with Spotify Free, um, which I think at this stage we've got a very similarly sized audience um, in our own um, digital audio universe, which is exciting because, as I say, we're growing. So, but you need As I said before, in relation to the take-up of digital audio from the agency system, for the agencies to be able to consider a campaign strategy and think about the fact that digital audio now has a major international player providing a level of reach and targetability, you've got the local player really coming in strongly, you've got all the other local players really getting their stuff together um, to be in the same space you got this sort of situation now where the tipping point is just about on us and you've got to be in it, um, you know, uh, because everybody's playing the game. So
1: let's talk, let's go to being in it. And Jono, give us a couple of examples of where you would say you think is the leading examples of how digital audio is being deployed for a brand. What are they doing and how are they using um, the data, the segmentation and the content?
3: Well, I think there are probably three key conversations that are happening between uh, agencies and publishers at the moment in terms of uh, data, digital audio, as well as all other digital media, which is centered around targeting. How can I actually target my audience as well as the various other um, markets that you're looking for? Um, how can we use data for insights and learn more? What can we find out that we didn't already know? And then there's the attribution piece at the end of it. So, We're seeing a lot of clients, uh, say, like in the auto space that are looking to target their catchment areas around dealerships. We're seeing a lot of education at the moment that are looking to see how they can identify students as well as uh, professionals. Um, There's a great uh, uh, need at the moment from the education sector for online learning. So they're looking at both uh, prospective students as well as professionals looking to do online courses or go back to uni. Um, we see a lot of, uh, uh, requests from utilities and finance companies looking for first home buyers or renters. So there's really a full gamut of audience, uh, that's available for, for all clients to meet the brief at the moment. I think the real key benefit is to probably not cut that scale, um, that we're talking about now that we have it probably in digital audio, the, the major benefit would be around how do you then target your creative to the different audiences That you've got access to. And that's where the real kind of um, the synergy between broadcast audio and digital audio can really work nicely together, where you've you've got the limitation of just one creative going out over the air and a broadcast signal to many at one time, where you can deliver multiple versions of a creative through digital audio um, that are tailored to those specific audiences. And I think audio has the unique benefit of being so cost effective when it comes to production that this is where it really has a USP compared to other forms of media. Um, when it comes to then insights, a lot of brands are looking to see how can they utilize their own first party data and and uh, match that against ours to see how it can be enriched. So uh, maybe if they are a QSR client, they might have a lot of, uh, or retail, they might have a lot of uh, loyalty programs and apps, the things like that, where they might want to target different creative to their existing customers compared to their prospective customers. Um, so there's a lot of appetite for that at the moment. How can brands utilise their own first-party data, and then marrying the two together for attribution?
1: So just to be clear, there, Jono, that would mean that, for instance, a, a you know, there's a hash that goes on between a brand's customer base, its first-party data, and your listener base and find the matches and then work out that they are existing customers, send them a different creative to someone who is maybe not. That's sort of, have I completely hacked that up or am I broadly right?
3: No, you're broadly right in that. It's finding the crossover match of our audience and their customer base and then seeing what else we can learn about them. So not uh, at the basic level, it could be about suppressing that audience or specifically targeting that audience. Then it might be, you know, getting our data team and insights team, SCIQ, to look even deeper and say, all right, here are some things and behaviors from your audience that we can actually learn here. Did you know that they also listen to uh, the Triple M drive, thro- drive Show? Did you know that they also listen to the Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast podcast? Um, and these sorts of things can then help them inform their broader media strategies because uh, the the key desire for all agencies and clients at the moment is how can we learn more about our audience to then effectively commercialise. Got it. And so Brian did talk about Lux Walls. You know, it's a small
1: business or a small Australian retail business, but fascinating in that the premise here is how do you sell something visual uh, via audio in your ears? Um,
3: So how the hell did you do that? I think something that we refer to at SCA all the time is the theatre of mind. What we already knew was that audio would be a very effective mechanic to drive, you know, sales of a visual product. And how do you invoke that image into someone else's mind through audio? And I think we can all think of fond memories when someone references, you know, a famous song. If I say to you something like, picture yourself on a beach, you're gonna picture your own amazing beach landscape. Whereas if you actually show them a picture of the beach, there's no creativity in someone else's mind. They might like it, they might hate it. And that's where audio really plays a part and had a major benefit for Lux Balls. So they were looking to drive website traffic. They were looking to have more prominence as a brand to create more awareness. And they were also looking for uh, uh, increased trial of product to the point that Brian was talking about earlier. They were looking at the the, the full funnel view of their audience. So what we did was we we looked at experimenting with a test of how do we isolate one particular audience of Australia and just use digital audio and and target their, their key demographics through that? And then in other areas, how do we utilize uh, broadcast and digital audio together and to drive a result? As well as a, another component, which was broadcast only. So what we found was that using the targeting capabilities of digital um, we had huge increase of awareness um, as well as, you know, web traffic and trial of products when we layered that together with broadcast and when we and with that, we additionally uh, tailored creative to the different platforms. So that's tailored creative for music streaming like uh, SoundCloud and smart speaker targeting like Sonos Radio um, podcast creative as well, tailored to that and broadcast. So that was all different. Your creative was different for those different channels. All optimized. So the message was the same across, but all tailored to that environment. Um, for example, you're not going to want to shout to someone who's wearing a set of headphones, uh, but you might want to have more upbeat, um, a backing track in someone who's already sitting in a car listening. Uh, so our creative teams, uh, spend a lot of time just tailoring that and they do that for, for all clients. Now we recommend optimize, uh, or environmentally optimized creative, for all campaigns. And with that layering of the two together, we saw a huge increased uplift in, in awareness and in website visits and trial of product, uh, most importantly for the client themselves, which uh, they were uh, ecstatic with. They were very happy with the overall results.
1: And as a late drop-in, we thought we'd give a couple of examples of what Jono's talking about. Here's the standard mobile and desktop audio ad.
0: Remember the good old days? Your bedroom walls plastered with posters as you sit surrounded by a sea of dream boats? (sighs) Or just as your taste in decor has changed? so has the way you can transform your space. Lux Walls Peel and Stick Removable Wallpaper. Be inspired by over 100 million customizable designs at luxwalls.com.au. Then just pick, measure and stick. There's nothing like a Lux Wall.
1: And here is the Lux Walls Shaker ad.
0: Before this ad wraps up, you're going to want to give your phone a big old shake. That one shake will link you to the Lux Walls Augmented Reality app. That's where the magic really happens. Browse thousands of wallpaper designs, then see them come to life on your actual wall, without even lifting a finger. Well, except maybe your index finger. Then it's as easy as picking and sticking. Give your phone a shake now and see why there's nothing like a Lux wall.
1: These are all good case studies, Jono, and then some really good arguments here. Is the market are these are these kind of exceptions to the rule, or is so? Is the market still generally in experimentation with digital audio, or is this now? common and uh, regular, and the market has its head around what to do with digital audio and how it can how it can optimize.
3: I think it's probably at a midway point between the two. I think experimentation phase is over at the moment, and now we're in a, in an expedited um, scaling phase uh, where everyone has seen the the clients who have experimented with it and everyone's trying to get into the game. So we've had a lot of your prominent advertisers throughout the country. Um, uh, the usual suspects that you would expect, um, uh, be early adopters that was driven a lot through programmatic teams going back a couple of years ago. The programmatic teams were probably the early adopters within the agencies, um, and having a bit more trading flexibility, uh, with the budgets and wanting to look at, you know, new types of technology. Um, and now it's becoming far more ubiquitous throughout the agency. There are a lot more direct campaign, direct IO bookings coming through as opposed to, uh, programmatic uh, on its own. So we're starting to see it become it become mainstream.
1: And this goes back to Brian's happy J-curve revenue uh, argument, right? So this, is, this is why this is happening. That's the, that's the underneath of it. We're running out of time, but I do want to get to a couple of more points and then we're done, which is to both of you though, so Johnny, you did talk about sort of the, the broadening of, of demand coming, but in terms of uh, beyond that, beyond what's happening in this post-cookie world, the things like what we've seen, digital audio and listener... Is that about you cutting it, logged in users of the likes of Facebook and Google, Brian, and and can you actually cut it? Can you can you match those big monsters?
2: I don't think this is the fight we're taking up to Google and Facebook. I think our fight is to, you know, provide trustworthy, useful services to local advertisers uh, in this marketplace. And on that basis, we're not going to lose a fight, you know, Um The utility of what we've put together even today um, is quite stunning. Um, You know, the fact that we're talking about reach, we're talking about targetability, but we're talking about attribution Mm. and we're talking about trustworthy measurement and we're talking about customising creative and maximising impact. I mean, and we're having those conversations. This is not a Mm. self-serve, throw it at the wall, yes, it's targeted, but type of approach. It does
1: help though. Right? I mean if you're getting logged in users and we've got we don't have cookies anymore. Clearly this is this is
2: an important bit of positioning. In the post cookie environment, there's a lot of upside for traditional media companies, broadcasters, publishers who have got um, you know, authenticated data and first-party data. Mm. Um, and I think we were looking at some stats um, suggesting that maybe 30% of the internet's going to be in the authenticated space. Right. And 70% of the internet's going to be in the uh, unauthenticated space. And we're going to be firmly in the authenticated space. And, you know, I think that's a really great place to put the company mm. um, as we're heading, you know, into the next, you know, 10, 10 12 years. So...
1: I'm going to ask both of you to wrap up with two big predictions. So we're obviously we're seeing the tipping point coming for digital audio over broadcast. What's two big calls from Brian Gallagher for the next 12 months?
2: Uh, At the end of the next 12 months, the um, amount of revenue going into digital audio products will have doubled. What is that number? Over 200 million. 200, it'll get to 200 now? Over 200.
1: Over 200 million, righto. In next year, next 12 months, righto. That's
2: right. So I think that's
1: that's massive. That's quite significant. The radio market's probably about 800 million, Brian, but so $200 million in digital, that's a good number. Next, next prediction
2: that we will have a very scaled self-service business within the next twenty-four months, and that's really SMEs, isn't it? It's SMEs all it's, over. It's the heartland of big tech too, though. And it will, it will be all money that's currently being deployed on other platforms.
1: Look forward to seeing what happens there and how you get the buy-in, right? Because they're so now behaviourally, they're entrenched a certain way. So how do you, how do you change that? Going to be interesting.
2: We've got two really um, interesting assets to help us push that along. Um, one is that. Um, we're a fairly major broadcaster and we reach a lot of people. So we can tell our story um, on a daily basis and we can do what we do for our advertising partners, which is change customer habits.
1: Are you going to programmatically buy yourself by any chance? <laughs> that was supposed to be funny, Brian, nevertheless.
2: I did. I gave a bit of a chuckle, but mm. and it was just that confused look on my face that really got you then, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Was. A, what what's the, the hell is he it? talking about? Yes. Oh, the other thing, aside from the megaphone, is we can follow up on the ground because, you know, Today and, and by that stage as well, we have a lot of people in the market. So using humans and tech. Using our humans and our tech. That's a novel idea, by the way.
1: Yes. Not a lot of it done. Jono, your two big predictions for the next five months in data, analytics, segmentation, and all that other stuff that I struggle to keep up with you on.
3: I'm going to put a prediction out there that there'll be further consolidation in the ad tech space, which will then result in uh, more efficient use of programmatic buying capabilities that will mean, uh, you know, greater transparency of a campaign and, and universal reach across um, multiple platforms. How can you look at, you know, your digital out of home impact on your audio campaign and then on your display campaign as a result of all of that? Um, I think we're going to see consolidation in the tech space that will enable that.
1: So to be clear there, you're talking about ad tech intermediaries reducing the number of ad tech intermediaries. Is that
3: what you're saying? I'd say so. They're definitely going to reduce over the next 12 months. Um, There'll be further mergers, further acquisitions. Second prediction in 12 months time, uh, I would expect uh, an exponential increase in the advertisers usually using digital audio on a monthly basis. I would expect that to more than double an expectation on every campaign to have some form of attribution attached to that provided by the publisher.
1: So what, what it delivered? That's what you mean by attribution?
3: Attribution beyond the impression delivery, beyond the reach and frequency and completion rate, what impact did it actually have to my client? What business goals did it drive uh, beyond just reach and frequency in the same vein that we as uh, digital marketers who've typically always worked in digital, we come to expect some level of increased uh, measurement or metrics in the digital sphere. And I think we can expect that to uh, grow as a mainstream expectation over the next 12 months.
1: Some great data points there on the tipping point that's coming very, very quickly, right? So, you know, like what 100, I was talking to some of my colleagues earlier, a hundred years of radio broadcast and we're in digital audio and that tipping point's, you know, probably gonna be five or six years it's taken to really to to make that happen, right? So it's a bit that a bit like that, you know, frog and water, really. You sort of don't quite realise how significant the change that is occurring until it's gets behind you. And this is what we we're witnessing that now in audio and radio, aren't we? Absolutely. Brian Gallagher, John Mandel, thanks for joining. Great conversation, and we'll come back around on those predictions, I think, 12 months and check oh, on you.
3: for sure. We'll see you again then. Look forward to it. Thanks very much.
1: Good to talk. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.
0: Listener.